Minoko. What the hell's a Minoko? You guys stop making up names. They're goofy. Are you calling me goofy? I am. Well, I can't date you anymore. You can't. Nope. Why not? Because. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Right? Hi, folks, and welcome to the Coffee Geek Podcast, episode 25. (gasps) Wow. You believe 25 of these in the can now? Isn't that amazing? That's went so fast. I mean, it's like my podcasts are now quarter century, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we should have a little celebration. My podcasts have been around. They've they've ridden the road. They've 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 seen life. They know life. Hmm. Love. My podcast is known love. Death. Death and my podcast are like that. Mm, you're scared of you, Mark. <laughs> I'm actually kind of paraphrasing one of my favorite uh, spoken word bits from Henry Rollins when he talks. It's a bit called The Undoing of a Man. Oh, yes. And where he talks about his age progression. And when he gets to 25, that was a quarter century. How old are you? A quarter century. Life, I know life. Anyways, I digress. Uh, This is the Coffee Geek Podcast, episode 25. I'm Mark Prince. Stop laughing. I'm Mark Prince, your show host and the senior editor for CoffeeGeek.com, and I really appreciate everyone for tuning in. This is the show that's all about the quality of coffee and not about the buzz. Mm. But I'm going to talk about some buzz today. Anyways, emails can be sent to podcast at CoffeeGeek.com. You can also phone us at area code 206. Do you know what area code that is, Bada? That is Washington. That is Seattle. Yes. Uh, area code 206-965-8185. Or you can reach us on Skype. Look for the Coffee Geek username and leave us voicemail. Please don't ask us to talk in conversations in Skype. Skype runs on a computer that's buried in the, the basement of the Coffee Geek Labs. And I only go to it about once a week to check the voicemails. <laughs> Um, also it's, uh, in November, we'd ask you if you enjoy the show, if you can go to podcastalley.com, look for the show, leave your comments and vote for us and get us ranked up there. We've been out of the top 50 now last month and this month. I think it's partially because there are just so many podcasts out there lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, if you use iTunes, subscribe to the coffee podcast, we're listed in there. Somehow we got listed twice. Can't figure that out. I, I don't know how to get rid of one of the listings. I guess being in there twice is okay. I can just leave it. Yeah. So what do we have on tap for this show? Well, we actually, this is going to be one of our longest shows bought up because we have a tasting that we recorded a week or two ago with Batdorf from Ronson. Mm-hmm. And I finally now I'm going to put it in. Uh, this is coffee I got when I was at Coffee Festa more than a couple of weeks ago. We recorded this and some really good coffees that day, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> They're delicious. Do you remember, do you remember that, that blueberry? Co- oh, wait. Let's not give it away. We'll get to it. So that's going to come up in a bit. And also we have the news with Jeanette Chan, which she recorded a few days ago. And we're going to get that in. I have to edit it a bit, though, because it ran real long. And, um, wow, what's happened in Casa del Prince in the last week, Bada? Hmm, I don't know. Let me guess. <laughs> uh, something you have been occupied with for the last little while? A lot. It's shiny. Yes. It's pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> um, and it's uh, and it's a coffee machine. It's, it's the and it has a name. For a long time, it did not have a name. For a long time, people thought it was vaporware. It's not vaporware anymore. It's it's a it's a new espresso machine by Lamarzoco. But I am getting ahead of myself, and I want to sell down a bit because I am excited by the machine. So I'll give you a recap about what we're about to hear. 
uh, on the show. First, I'm going to be talking about some machines that we got in, uh, some new coffee I recently tried outside of the tasting report. And then we're going to get into the tasting of Bechdar from Ronson Coffees. And Bada's going to come back and join us then, right? And uh, then we're going to do the news with Jeanette Chan. So enjoy the show, folks. All right, now I'm back. Uh, boy, God, so much to talk about. I mean, this has been a busy couple of weeks at Coffee Geek. A lot of stuff has happened. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Lammer Zoko machine in a few moments, but I want to talk about some other things that went on first. Um, there's a fellow by the name of Brian Franklin, and Brian actually runs the another podcast involving coffee. It's the AA Cafe podcast you can find on iTunes, and I think it's listed over at Podcast Alley as well. Uh, it's a podcast I really enjoy. I can't say that uh, my friends Nick and Jay over at portafilter.net enjoy it as much. I think they take some issues with some of the stuff that Brian and, and his psychics say, but I enjoy the podcast, and, and I wrote into them a few weeks ago, and uh, Brian uh, contacted me back, and we talked back and forth, and he offered to send me some of his coffee. So uh, a couple of days before I got the Lamarzoko GS3, I did get a huge care package from Brian. And by the way, his cafe is Double Shot Coffee Company. He's in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the website is doubleshotcoffee.com. What's really cool is that their main espresso blend, and I'm holding it right now, uh, comes in a paint can, in a one-gallon paint can. And that apparently is the only way they sell it. Uh, it's really cool marketing. It's called... Ambergris Espresso Blend. It's number two. Now, talk about this coffee. First of all, I was pulling it on two different machines. I was pulling it... Um, actually, I should back up a bit and talk about some machines that we're currently evaluating for the Coffee Geek website. We have three on the test bench right now. One is the VBM Domobar Super, which I have recently put up the first look for on the Coffee Geek site. If you go to coffeegeek.com and go into the professional reviews section, you will see the first look for it. A second machine, which is not yet up on the site that's on the test bench, is actually by Krups. It's um, the Krups XP4020 machine. Uh, they have a new lineup of machines called the XP series. And I've been pretty critical of Krups espresso machines in the past. And uh, i got to say, they've stepped up a bit with this machine. There's a couple of features on it that I really like. First of all, it shares a lot of the internal componentry with some of the Sunbeam machines made in Australia. And these are the ones that Paul Bassett, the 2003 World Barista Champion, and uh, also a star of a new TV series in Australia called Living Coffee, uh, uses regularly. In fact, um, the machine he uses in the first 13 episodes of that TV show shares the same group head, same portafilter, and I assume the same boiler, actually thermoblock, with this Krups I'm evaluating. So anyways, that, that Krups is on the workbench, and it looks pretty promising. And then the last machine that's on the bench uh, is the Isomax Super Giada machine, which is long overdue for its detailed review. And anyways, before I got the GS3, the Lamarzoko GS3, these are the three machines I was fooling around with. So I pulled some of Brian's espresso blends on that machine, and I was getting... Um, uh, I was getting actually really decent shots. It was pouring out quite strange, though. It was uh, There was a lot of very, very big bubbles early on, and I'm pretty sure that had to do with age. In other words, the coffee was still too young, and it was degassing a bit. When I got the GS3, the coffee was just past 10 days after roast, and it was pulling so beautifully. I mean, visually, the shots were just... The only way I can describe it is, is it had it looked like it had the same viscosity as honey except a lot darker. 
uh, when it was coming out. It also had this really weird, um, weird in a good way, blonding pattern that came out in kind of swizzles, always on one side of the cup. It's hard to describe. I mean, I, sh- I took a few photos of it. I don't know if I'll post them for this podcast, but, uh, you know, bottom line, visually, the shots look quite unique. I mean, I, I was actually really curious what he had in his blend that would deliver that. And then I guessed, since one of the sample single origins I got from him was Monsoon Malabar, that he did have Monsoon Malabar in that. And by the time I got around to pulling it on the GS3, that guess was sort of solidified. So, Brian, I'm calling you out. I think you have some Monsoon Malabar in your blend, <laughs> um, at least from the way it poured and definitely from the way it tasted. It certainly seemed like there was some in there. Now, Monsoon Malabar is kind of a love-hate coffee. People tend to even love it or hate it in this coffee industry. Personally, I, I like it a lot when it's on. And uh, Brian also sent me some single-origin coffees. One of them was the Monsoon Malabar, and I did have it as a press pot coffee. And it was... It it was, I'll say this, it was a very good example of what Monsoon Malabar can be. Now back to the espresso. The espresso, when it was pouring the straight shots, um, there was, again, a lot of bubbling um, on the GS3. But the taste uh, as a straight double was, was, I mean, for me, it was probably like in the top maybe five or top seven espressos I've tried in the last year. It was it was great. I mean, it was so on in both the pour and also the initial taste. It wasn't blowing my socks off until I started adding a bit of milk to it. And I was doing it as macchiato and especially in traditional cappuccino. And for me, that's where a taste like a Monsu Malabar really shines. Now, I hope I'm not going on a limb and, and showing real ignorance by guessing that there was Monsoon Malabar in that blend, and then there's not. All I know is that it had a very unique taste. It was a very pleasing taste, and was certainly an espresso I'd go to my way to buy. So, so again, Brian, thanks for sending that stuff out. I also got a bunch of single-origin coffees from Brian. I mentioned the Monsoon Malabar. I also got two Costa Ricans. I got a La, uh, La Magnolia and the La Manita. Uh, what else did I get here? Then I got an African, the Ethiopian Sadamo, and and I also got a Sumatra uh, is Kandar, which um, I've done some very preliminary tastings on and took some notes. We're not going to be doing it as a podcast, but uh, I'm going to give Brian some private feedback on that. Let me just say that all the coffees he sent out to me were extremely pleasing to the palate. Some stood out more than others. Um, I'll talk about one just briefly. The Lamanita that I got from him, um, I've had Lamanita every year for the past six years. And I have to say that this was definitely one of the top roasted examples of Lamanita that I've tried in the last six years. So real kudos to Brian for what he's doing over in Tulsa at Double Shot Cafe, actually Double Shot Coffee Company. So thanks for sending that, Brian. Now, about the things that we're testing. I mentioned them briefly. I want to talk about the VBM Doma Bar first. Um, again, up on the website, actually, I got it wrong, too. It's up. If you go to the front page, look for where it says Coffee Geek Reviews in the green menu bar at the top. If you click that, you'll see the VBM Domo Bar list in the first look. Interesting machine. What I especially, there's the things I especially like about this machine is the price point. I mean, you can pick up a variant of this machine, I think, for $1,100. And the top end one that I'm testing is $1,450. But, you know, really performance wise, there's no difference between the one I'm testing, which is an automatic stainless steel and the black manual or lever version at $1,100. One of the fastest steaming espresso machines I've ever tested. And that just blew me away. Hot water delivery. on was perfect. 
Um, as far as, you know, brew, brewing ability and stuff, it was very good. What I really like about it is that you can easily change the pressure stat, uh, without taking the machine apart. And it also has a Parker pressure stat, which is, uh, a very professional quality pressure stat. You're not going to have to worry about this thing breaking down. And, and, you know, this is an ongoing concern with a lot of these heat exchanger espresso machines on the market is that they tend to have like thermostats or pressure stats, uh, that just don't seem to stand up to a lot of abuse. So when you see a professional grade thermos or pressure stat in a machine like this, that's a definite plus. But I do encourage you to go to the site and read the first look because it's quite detailed even just for a first look. Then there's the crops. Uh, what can I say? You know, I, I'm so hard on crops, but on the other hand, you know, I'm a bit, I've always been a big fan of crops. I mean, I remember when I was sort of cutting my chops and coffee, crops and brawn, they always design really cool looking stuff. And, uh, crops, you know, always had high hopes for them. And, you know, during the, the late nineties, early two thousands, I was really let down by the company because almost every coffee brewer that I tried by Krups would not brew coffee hot enough and ended up delivering kind of a sour, uh, under extracted cup of coffee. And their espresso machines, to be really frank, were jokes. I mean, we're talking aluminum portafilters. We're talking, you know, anemic steaming systems. We're talking, uh, temperatures not hot enough to brew proper espresso. We're talking toys you know that look cool this may be changing a bit because this xp 4020 that's currently on the testing bench we're going to be doing this as a quick shot review so it's going to be a complete review and i believe it's going to probably be up on the site sometime in december it's impressing me in certain regards i mean let me talk about the negatives first it's it's a thermon block machine which on the espresso side is not so bad on the steam side it's a bit anemic it's, uh, oh, the steam system is terrible. You're forced to use the froth, perth- perfect froth or whatever the heck they call it system. And you can't froth traditionally. You can't just, you know, pull the perfect froth system off this one and see a standard wand with one hole at the bottom. No. I mean, if you pull the perfect froth system off, the, there is no wand. It's, you know, stops right near the top of the body. Uh, also, there's no hot water ability on this machine. You can't, you know, preheat a cup with hot water. You can't pour water for tea. You can't pour water for Americanos. And that's a bad thing. You, you know, every espresso machine should have hot water ability. Pressurized filter baskets. Um, it comes with three filter baskets, a single, a double, and a pod. Now, for the single and double traditional ones, which you use ground coffee in, they're pressurized. That means that all the coffee is forced to go through one tiny little jet hole at the bottom of the filter basket. Again, very bad. This machine, uh, from my testing so far, definitely has a capable pump. And Krups, frankly, should be offering or selling this machine with standard filter baskets without any gizmos tricks to get fake crema and everything else so that's the negatives out of the way the positives so far in testing is um the portafilter is all brass which brass and chrome chrome brass which to me is an ultra positive for a company like Krups because it aids in the retention of heat through the process of brewing and does a very good job of it the portafilter is beefy substantially. It's it's a good quality portafilter for this kind of machine, which, you know, in the past you didn't expect to see from this company. Also, the portafilter has springs, which is also a bonus. It's no lever to hold the filter basket in place. There's spring inside the portafilter, which holds the filter baskets in place. 
The other thing, too, is that this machine features a group head design that lets you do the Australian up-dosing method of brewing coffee. In other words, you can pretty much pack this portafilter almost to the rim of the, the filter basket tamped and still to the rim, maybe a millimeter below the rim, and still be able to jam it into the machine. So if you want to do the entire Paul Bassett <laughs> system for brewing coffee, you can. It delivers water at very good temperatures. I was measuring with my fluke setup at the group head, um, I think around 93 or 94 Celsius at the top end, which was very good. The pump is suitable uh, for the task. It's not underpowered. And another thing, too, is it features a lot of autofills uh, ability. Like it does an autofill of the thermoblock system after you come out of steaming mode. It checks the status of the machine and autofills when you turn it on. Um, it has a nice flush system once you come out of steam mode, so you can easily steam first, then transition over to brewing a shot relatively quickly, which is really nice because getting it heated up for steam takes a while. Uh, when you're going from brew to steam. But, you know, great machine. It's got my hopes up for Krups. And also, I do have to give a bit of disclosure. I was given this machine for free by Krups because I helped them out with the Krups Cup of Excellence, which was a tour of Canadian cities trying to find the best independent cafes in each city. On the Vancouver leg, they asked me for my input on which cafes to go to. I'm, also, I'm really happy to say that every cafe I recommended they went to, there was obviously a few that were not that didn't make the list, uh, including my friend Alistair at at, um, at uh, Elysian uh, Coffee and Tea, uh, and a few others. I, I also recommended Connell Coffee on the drive, and they had to limit their visit to five, but um, they took my recommendations to heart, and every place that they went to was recommended by me. And uh, also I ran uh, their judging pool, which was all media people, uh, through a morning espresso tutorial, trying to teach them the best things about espresso, what to look for in a quality espresso. And as a thank you, Krups gave me this machine. So in return, I decided to do a review and put it through the lab and the torture test for them. So I hope they don't mind that too much. I'm not going to talk so much about the Giada other than to say if you go onto the Coffee Geek website, again, look in the Coffee Geek Reviews section and just look for Super Giada. You'll see the first look that I published some time ago. It's quite an interesting machine. And speaking of the site, um, we actually have some new content articles up there that I want to point out to you. Um, most recently, I wrote, uh, I published an article called Brewing Turkish Coffee. And uh, the method that I showed certainly isn't the only way to brew Turkish coffee, but it gives you a primer on how to do it. The VBM Doma Bar Super uh, first look is online. And then also a little while ago, I published an article, How to Use a Pour-Over Coffee Brewer. And that seems to be getting a lot of positive feedback as well. And there's going to be new content on the site this coming week. So make sure you go and check out the front page to see what's new at coffeegeek.com. Now, about something else that arrived this week. And this is something that um, I actually had a hand in um, consulting on for the last four plus years. There's a company called Lamarzoco. Now, Lamarzoco, to some people, including myself, are considered the Rolls-Royce of the coffee industry in terms of the of, of espresso machines. They make these double boiler machines that were, were good enough for Starbucks to use in every single cafe on the planet right up until about 2002 when they switched over to Super Autos. Now, they didn't switch over to Super Autos from Lamarzocos because of quality. They switched over because of quantity and because of consistency, no matter how mediocre it might be across the brand to save training costs, to save all sorts of things. It was a step down in quality. 
When they went with Lammerzelka machines, they picked a machine that had the ability to produce a superior shot to pound out tons of milk because it has a dual boiler system and because they were reliable. I'm digressing a bit, so I want to get back on topic. Um, Lammerzelka, at least for the last 20 or 30 years, has never designed or built a machine designed to be used in the home in North America or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, they were strictly a commercial-oriented business. Uh, that changed kind of in 2000, 2001, when I was called down to a meeting in Seattle at uh, their um, Seattle plant uh, to meet with them and discuss the possibility of developing a consumer machine by Lamarzoco. And it was quite exciting. It was very exciting times. I mean, that first meeting I went down, this was the first time I met these guys. And I was in awe. And I was just so flattered that they would have me involved in the process. And, you know, for basically an entire afternoon, it was just this giant brainstorming session about what was possible and feasible. And what came out of that meeting was a really good sense by a few people within Lammerzoko that this was going to happen. And I'm not saying that, you know, I started the idea and them. they called me down because they had the intent to do a home machine. Uh, but out of that meeting, a lot of ideas uh, were born, and I'm really proud to say that a lot of them came to fruition finally, some like three and a half, four years later, because this, uh, just last week, I took delivery of one of the first prototypes of the Lamarzoko domestic espresso machine. Now, they're no longer calling it a consumer machine because this machine is designed for multi purposes, but I'll give you a very brief update about what the score is. This is a machine that was designed from the ground up for 110, 120 volt service, 15 amps max. Actually, it operates on less than 15 amps, but it was designed for a standard household plug or a plug you'll find in a parking lot or a plug you'll find at the community center or a plug you'll find at, at uh, the church hall or a plug you'll find at the end of an extension cord. That was probably, that was the first thing. And I'm, it's such a big milestone because I'm going to tell you that almost all these machines coming out of Italy and Spain and even France that run on 110 volt. And, you know, I'm talking the prosumer machines, the $1,500, $2,000 machines that borrow a lot of equipment from professional machines, but, you know, deliver a machine in the home. Those are not designed for North America from the get go. They're designed for Europe and they're designed for European power specs. And then compromises are made in the machine to make them work on 110 volt. And, you know, if I sound a bit snarky about that, it's been a long thorn in my side. I've been in communication with companies like Isomac, like ECM, like Rancilio, like Psycho, like um, Gaggio, others, and said, please, please, please look into designing a machine from the ground up for North American power. And it's... You know, a lot of nods, a lot of okays, a lot of yes, well, you know, we understand and the North American market's important. But to this day, it hasn't happened yet. Not from any of those companies. But Lamarzoko has delivered it. So that's number one. This machine is designed to work on a 110 volt circuit and draw maximum of 14 amps when it's in full power mode and only 10 amps when it's in economy mode. So that's number one. Number two, this machine was designed from the ground up to be as stable in temperature as is possible today or to match any other machine currently on the market that features temperature stability. What we're talking about here, folks, is we're talking about a machine that 
not only lets you dial in a temperature, you can set any temperature you want on this machine. If you want to brew espresso at 172.4 degrees Fahrenheit, you can. If you want to brew it at 202.7, you can. If you want to brew it at 199.5 Fahrenheit, you can. But on top of that, I'm talking about stability during the shot process. So that means from the first second that the shot starts developing to the 25th second when you kill it, this machine was designed to have less than a 0.5 degree Fahrenheit variance. In fact, they're hoping that they can get down to 0.1 or 0.2 degrees Fahrenheit. That's like one-tenth to one-fifth, one degree Fahrenheit variance during the entire shot. And so that's an intra-shot variance. They're also looking to control inter-shot variance, which means shot A that you pull will be pulled at 197.5, Shot B will be pulled at 197.5, and shot C you pull will be 197.5, and so on and so forth until you change the temperature. In my early testing on this machine, I say they hit a home run on that because the temperature stability is phenomenal. Also, it was designed to provide uh, amazing steam power. Uh, which it does. It features a 3.8 liter boiler just for steaming and a 1.65 liter boiler for brewing coffee. On top of that, it features the hybrid saturated group from Lamarzoco that currently does not exist on any other production machine by the company. This is actually really tricked out technology again to control temperature stability. It has a preheater system, which means it, it's, it heats up the water that goes into the brew boiler before it gets in there to help preserve energy and make sure that the the brew boiler's temperatures are rock steady stable it has a built-in reservoir it can also be plumbed in uh, it has a massive drip tray and the tra drip tray can also be plumbed in so that the waste will go one way and water coming in through the mains or through a pump will come in another way and just so many other features to talk about you know, like the wands on it for both hot water and for steam are cool touch, meaning you can manipulate the wands while you're steaming milk or while you're pouring hot water. Uh, the press, it has um, flow restriction controls in it, which are phenomenal. Uh, the programming ability of the machine is just mind-blowing. I mean, on top of programming the brew, brew boiler temperatures, you can program the steam boiler. You can control uh, pre-infusion. You can actually set up very precise pre-infusion controls for each of the four automatic buttons, meaning if you want pre-infusion to start you know, and run for a certain type of period and pause before the full pump engages, the whole works. I'm just blown away by this machine, and right now it's a prototype, which means myself and I believe 11 other lucky individuals have prototype machines, and what we're doing is we're providing feedback to Lamarzoko on how to improve this machine before it goes into production, which is really smart of the company because some of the people that have gotten this machine in their hands are really going to power use it and really going to be able to help Lamarzoko tweak the design so that when it finally goes into production sometime next year, it's going to be a killer machine. And the demand for this machine is already so great that they believe that they're going to sell out the first run with you know no problems whatsoever. In fact, they're going to have a waiting list. Now, the bad news, the price, and also the fact that I've run along for a lot longer than I wanted to. This machine is projected to be $4,500 US. 
Now you have to ask yourself, I mean, that's a lot of coin. That's a ton of coin. I mean, you know, I look at fridges, refrigerators, and I see, you know, refrigerators for $7.99 and $8.99. I think, okay, you know, that's a little expensive, but it's reasonable. And then you see a few, you know, with tricked out features like LG fridges with built-in screens and stuff that are $2,499. And you're like, who the hell would pay that kind of money for that kind of fridge? And now I'm talking about an espresso machine for the home, as well as for catering use, for, um, you know, roasting lab use, cupping room use, the whole works. That's $4,500. It's insane. But, I mean, this is a singular machine. This is the first machine designed from the ground up for 110 volt. It's designed to provide the industry's best temperature control today and for the possible future. In fact, you know, other machines in the Lamarzoko lineup can't control temperature this well. You know, there's other machines like the Senesso and stuff where I'm really curious as to whether or not you have this kind of control. It, it's just mind-blowing. And I'm going to tell you, the shots coming out of it are phenomenal. And I'm going to be talking a lot more about this on future podcasts. So I think we're going to call it quits right here. In fact, I think we're going to get Bada Sawinski back and we're going to, we're going to uh, play for you next the, the tasting of Batdorf from Bronson Coffees. And coming up after that, we're going to have Jeanette Chan do the news. And if you want to find out more about this or anything else that I've talked about on the podcast today, you can go to the uh, Coffee Geek forums, look for the podcasting forum, and I do the show notes for the show there. And I'll have links to this and that. And also in our forums, there's a lot of discussion about the Lamarzoko GS3 machine. And you can certainly look that up. And it's in the espresso machine section, the discussion. So... Without further ado, here comes the tasting. And it's time for another tasting, another co- set of coffees that we got from uh, from uh, Bettor from Ronson this time around. They're a roaster in Olympia, Washington. Their website is www.batdorf.com. B-A-T-D-O-R-F is in Dorf, Dorf on Golf. My dad loved that series of, of VHS tapes. I never heard of it. No, it goes back a few years. It was uh, the dude from the Carol Burnett show, uh, Tim Conway. He had a character called Dorf, and he used to do this thing called Dorf on golf, and it was like a whole bunch of VHS tapes. But I digress. They're Batdorf and Bronson, but their website is batdorf.com. And um, we got three. I got three samples from Anastasia, who actually is a really good friend of mine. Anastasia used to work with uh, Espresso Specialist Incorporated, but now she's... Uh, the front person for Batta from Bronson. Uh, I have a lot of respect for her, and she has a lot of worthy praise for these three new signature coffees that Batdorf is putting out. The three of them are, uh, I have El Salvador, Siberia. Siberia is their trade name for it. Yergachefe, and this one is called Kello. And the Panama is called Jaramillo, or Jaramillo. What? Jaramillo. How would you pronounce that? Yeah, Jeremillo. Okay. Now, I should also point out that I'm here with Bada Swinski again, who's helped me out with a tasting. But Bada is a little bit under the weather, so you think you may not be able to get everything out of these. But you're going to give it a shot. Mm, I'll do my best. You're going to do your best. So, folks, we're gonna what we're going to do again is we have three press pots set up. We're going to try to make this as even as possible. We're going to pause the recording in a moment so we can get it all set up. I'm going to be grinding the coffees one after another. We're going to be boiling the water. We're going to be putting the water into them at one-minute intervals. Actually, maybe we'll make it about two-minute intervals. Yeah, give us time to sample them. Yeah, uh, maybe even a little longer. Yeah, no, two minutes is good. I think I can handle two-minute intervals. So we'll be right back, folks. And the timer says that we got a 
press down on that so well this is the first coffee what is it again uh this was the yerga hello now the one thing i noticed about was it the yerga that had the huge beans no no, no the yerga was, was actually know. small that's right i'll cover that in a moment we have our nice little cup set up and i'm just getting resettled here as we record this so we're gonna try this without milk first so and the crystal nudes sure we're using Ellie crystal nudes as the cup choice all right so you smelled all three coffees uh when i opened the bag what'd you think mm. i think you like the middle one the best right yeah i think the panama had a very nice smell this is the panama jaramillo you're not very good at pronouncing it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a terrible... Because people are fond of writing in to me in the email. I'm terrible at pronunciation. Because yeah. I'm Canadian, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. Here we go for some yoga cafe. Mmm. A lot of body in that one. Mm. What do you think? I think slightly citrusy. Yeah, definitely. There's like an orange... <clears throat> it's kind of like an orange blossom, orange citrus... Um, what I would call a medium acidity level. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the next one. It's time for the Panama now. Okay, so I'll just the plunge that down. Again, back to this Yerga Chefe. Do you taste any other specific flavors? How about the finish? Mm, something along blueberry, but... Yeah, I, I got blueberry too, actually. I'm getting that in the finish. Um, I also find that the body, it's about a medium-bodied coffee. I think it's uh, it's very interesting coffee. It's actually got some complexity to it, which you know I do typically. I typically associate a certain level of complexity with your Gachefe coffee. Well, it's it's fairly good, like without any cream, which I can hardly drink any coffee without cream. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> well, it's good. That's actually a big endorsement from you. <laughs> yeah, like it's actually a bit sweet. And uh, and while you're drinking that first one, I don't know if you notice here, but it seems to me that this Panama, we use the exact same, like we're, we're brewing this, these coffees exactly the same way. As you People didn't hear me talk about it, but 21 grams per press pot, each ground specifically. I timed, you know, how long the ground coffee was staying out before I added the water. I reboiled the water each time so that I had more or less the same temperature starting water. But I don't know if you noticed, but doesn't the Panama darker. look like it's a more deeper cup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was definitely darker. So if you want to try some cream quick, this is this is Rabada. We have cream out here to yes. go go with the, the, the coffees we tried just a dad. I'm very creamy. Yes, I'll try <laughs> a bit too. Oh, and there goes our third timer. There we go. So you talk to me about that Yerga Chefe. Hmm, no, it's got like... Maybe honey. Ooh. <laughs> I just did my homer. Ooh. Ah. Don't. Well, the orange is still there, but I'm losing the blueberry. I'm getting more of like a honey flavor. It's a, it's a very common Yerga Chefe um, profile I'm tasting. You know, Yerga Chefe can be actually a lot of different types of coffee, but typically you always start off with a floral. Um, there tends to be kind of a, either a citrus or a blue fruit. Um, when I say citrus, I'm talking more of a, I don't want to say, you know, more on the orange tangerine side and less of the grape or sorry, less of the grapefruit or, you know, lemon or zest side. The sweeter side of the citrus. Yeah. Or it sort of gravitates over towards more blue fruits, like a blueberry, you know, which, um, 
there are tiny bit of similarities between blueberry and and uh, and tangerine, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like a mild tangerine, though. So I am getting a bit of that. Um, the honey, I'm having a hard time finding with milk. Um, with milk, it kind of dies. I actually prefer this coffee without milk. Yeah, I think so. It was better. You too? Yeah. Wow, that's a first. Mm-hmm. we got to move on to the second one, Bada. Okay, so we this We come back is... to the coffees there. We have to do our first tastes. So the second one here is, um, it's the Panama Jaramillo. And Jaramillo and these other names I'm saying are actually backdoor trade names for them. They're not representative of a farm. They've just decided to name their coffees, and it's kind of cool. So let's give it a shot. Yeah, that's a Panama coffee. Very bright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of bright coffees, I, I think longtime listeners to the podcast know that I'm not a huge fan of bright coffees. I I prefer my coffees a lot of body and sweetness over brightness. Yeah, you like them, those manly coffees. That's that right. Me and Gina didn't that, like. <laughs> yeah, the ones that put hair in your chest for yeah. sure. <laughs> that's uh, the one thing I'll say about this. There's a there's a term that's going around the internet right now quite a lot where people are talking about clarity in the cup or cl- like a clean cup. And when I interviewed George Howell, he tried to explain it. I don't know if we really got the explanation out there. It, it's more something you have to taste to sort of get. And this is a clean this is a clean cup, you know, for a press pot especially. There's a wine, kind of um a red wine. Just, you know, a table of red wine kind of striking note that comes out on this. A little bit, because I don't know if it's like the aftertannins effect where it's the uh, the acidity of it causing it. It's not bad, though. Um, I got to say the aftertaste is actually very pleasing. What do you think? Mm, I find it a bit too bright for me. Hmm. Well, you know, before we have milk, we got to do the third one because we're running late on getting that at a certain stage. So... The third one that I'm going to pour, why don't you read it about it while I set it up? Mm, that's the Salvador, Siberia. Siberia. You, I would not think to com- to have El Salvador and Siberia in the same sentence. So yeah, that is kind of weird. I'm wondering what they're going for here. It must be a very interesting flavor. All right, here we go. Salvador, Siberia from Beto from Bronson. Hmm. It's... Um, Got the same kind of acidity level that the uh, the Panama had, but it's different. It's uh, more of a tang tangy bite to it. Mm-hmm. This one has more of a bug bite. Like the I think actually, I, I prefer this kind of acidity over the the Panama's acidity. This one, it just seems a little bit more complex. I think the Panama was like the more of like the afternoon coffee where you don't want anything overly strong. I like this. Actually, you know, again, I, like I said before, I'm not a fan of big acidity coffees, but this one actually tastes pretty damn good. Mm. The aftertaste is really good. Like, let's settle, finish it off, and, and just see that, that taste you have in the back of your throat. What are you getting there? Mm, possibly nutty. I am getting... What's but what's um what's a nut with um you know like not a peanut or a cashew or anything like that what's a nut that um has more of a a light finish to it I, I don't know I don't know if I'm using the words right I know what you mean but pecans yeah like maybe there's a pecan finish to this because it's got a bit of a sweetness to it like pecans do yeah you're right good call Bada woohoo 
Ooh. Are you a professional cupper? Here, cheers. Not dating one. <laughs> <laughs> and you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. The finish Ooh. is like kind of a, the closest note I could call it is a pecan. Well, you called it. I just named it Nat. So it's actually you. Wow, that's really good. <laughs> well, you know what? I think, oh, you know what? I really like that aftertaste. It's It sits, it develops really well. I got to say, out of the three on the table, at least straight up, first drink, I like the Salvador Siberia. The oh, best. really? I think for me, number one was the... The Yergachefe? Yergachefe, because it was so good without cream. Yeah. It was, like, so sweet and tasty. So I'm going to pour a little bit more of the third one, the Salvador, and now we're going to take milk in both this and the... Um, Panama. And the Panama. And this is just for you, Bada. Oh, well, thank you kindly. Now, typically... Typically, um, mm. this acidic coffees develop well with a bit of cream, at least for me. Oh, it's so nice now of cream. Mm. How? So you're tr- actually you're trying the uh, Salvador right now, but try the Panama first. Okay. Oh, that's mm, nice. Very nice. You know what? This it's almost like caramelly or something. Yeah, like candy. It it totally pops out. Let me. Man, this totally developed into caramel. You nailed it again. And people would be insane to put sugar in this. Mm-hmm. This is very good. This is, uh, again, this is the second one, the Panama Jamarillo, with just the tiniest bit of cream, because we did, like, a ratio of, like, pouring mm. in, like, how much did we pour in? Like a demi-tasse? Yeah, just a tiny bit. Not even a teaspoon, like half, half a teaspoon. You'd be insane to put sugar in this. This is better than like some dessert, like a Spanish coffee or something, because this is just so good and so pure. That's really good. Mm-hmm. All right, check out the color pattern on my my oh, so this Salvador kind of a... Siberia. It has kind of a Siberian action. It looks like there's a Siberian husky in there. <laughs> oh, that's more of like my attempt at latte art. <laughs> so this is the Siberian, and again with milk. Actually, this one's even better. Mm, I but, think I like the other one more. Really. This one was really good, but then when I went to the other one, ah, hmm, I can't talk. They're all so good. I'm getting a bit of a chocolate finish on this one, whereas the other one was more caramel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know that 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 the pecan's gone. I don't taste that anymore. Well, I find like if you have the black coffee first, you can sort of you know name the main characters, and then after that cream, they mo- they come out more. More of the. Salvador, please. <laughs> hey, leave some for me. No, there's no left here. Ah, just a little bit. No, there I don't want go. that. That's all the dark stuff. <laughs> mm. Mm, <laughs> we can't very leave. nice. You realize I have to edit out all these mmm. I know, but it's just so good. <laughs> well, I think Panama is my, my favorite. It's just so oh. sweet, so smooth. I, I, I want to talk a bit about the beans, too, because um, I've mm. seen lots of Central American beans. Right, but the the second and third coffees here are both from Central America. I've never seen them as big as these beans are. I mean, the the screen size on both the Panama Jamarillo, Jaramillo, and on the Salvador, especially the Salvador, it's massive. It's like a 22, 23 screen on it. That's the size of like the biggest Colombians. Those beans are huge. Mm, they're very pretty though. Whereas the and very even. That's mm-hmm. the other thing too. Is they're screened very well. Um, I didn't see really any size discrepancy. It's just they are big coffee beans. Um, whereas the the uh, Yergacheffe is more standard for what I would expect of an African coffee bean. 
don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I have to say this. I don't think I've ever seen any Central American beans, at least Panama and and El Salvador, that were that big before. So quite an unusual coffee. So let's let's do our picks. Uh, for me, I gotta say straight uh, as a straight coffee. I can't believe I'm gonna pick this, but I'm actually gonna pick the Salvador Siberia as mm. my first as just a black coffee, even though it's a very acidic coffee, and I normally don't like acidic co- acidic coffees. That had some really cool complexity to it that was really nice as a black coffee, and I'm gonna pick the uh, Yergacheffe second and the Panama third, and that's black. So what would you pick for the black coffee? Mm, black Yergacheffe, then El Salvador, and then Panama. Oh, poor Panama's lost. So now with a little cream. Panama number one. Panama's <laughs> the Panama Jaramillo is first. Yeah. What's second? I think the Yergacheffe because it's the actually Yerkeche- totally blueberry right now when it's cold. Wow. Yeah, Let me and then the Salvador last one. So Salvador would be third for you. Yeah. And for me, with a little bit of milk, um, I think I'm going to go for the El Salvador first again. So the Salvador Siberia was first for me, both with milk and straight up. Second, uh, the Panama, which was third place for me uh, as black. And then third, poor Yerga Chefe. And I, I always feel bad rating a Yerga Chefe last because it's <laughs> one of my favorite coffees. It's very nice, actually. Well, hey, you know what? Kudos to Batdorf from Ronson. These are... They're awesome coffees. I, mm. Both the Panama and... Is, I got to say this. Batdorf has given me a bright, acidic coffee that I actually like. That's rare. Wow. That's very rare. That's nailing it right on So the kudos to them. Um, you, again, you can find them online at batdorf.com. That's B-A-T-D-O-R-F. And these, I think, are part of their signature line. And they sell them in these cute little .25 pound bags. Mm, they're so airtight. <laughs> <laughs> they were extremely airtight. And uh, wow, they were great. Uh, I can't wait to try some more from that company. Mm-hmm, good stuff. Take care, folks. Ciao. Oh, folks, we got to do an addendum here because I just took another hit on the Yergacheffe with the, the tiniest amount of cream. Basically, I had like about in an in, Anili in, in uh, espresso cup, crystal cup, um, which holds three ounces to the to the top, 90 mils to the top. I had maybe 10, 15 mils left in it of my cream and, and coffee mixture. So I poured a little bit more of it from the bottom into um, into the, the, the cup and drank it and I was like almost assaulted by blueberry. It was so <laughs> massive. Like this coffee develops amazing. I think as it cools off, it develops more of the blueberry. Wow. Yeah. You know, my dad, I don't know if I told this story on air, but I'll tell it because it's pretty funny. Um, my dad, who's, you know, longtime Nescafe drinker, he's recently, uh, in the last few years, he's moved to Whole Bean, but... I think he's still buying Folgers whole bean or something. It's kind of like the private shame of the Prince household. No, I'm, I'm kidding that. But one day I was having a phone conversation with him and I was telling him about, um, you know, the joys of coffee and how you taste all these different flavors in. And one that, you know, I typically mention is like, dad, just imagine having like a coffee where, you know, like you, you get an aftertaste of blueberries from it. And his response on the, <laughs> Bot is laughing because it's funny. Um, his response on the phone was like, why would I want blueberries in my coffee? <laughs> That's hilarious. And I'm like, 
Well, no, it's just that it's it's coffee, but it's it's you just blown away that this like coffee that's not a flavored coffee would have something like blueberries or something. He goes, if I want blueberries, I'll eat blueberries. When I want coffee, I'll drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, just the coffee, cream, and milk for me and the sugar. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. right? So that that's the addendum. Wow, blueberries. Blueberry. I think I may have to move the uh, Yergachev Fikello up my list. Oh, Yergacheffe, good for you. I'll stick with my order, but the Yergacheffe, wow, like, you know, cooled down just a bit with the tiniest bit of cream and, like I said, assaulted by blueberries. Mm. It was so big. So, cool. Okay, so we're sitting here now with Jeanette Chan and we're going to do another news segment, but before we get into that, we're going to actually talk about uh, a lot of events in the past uh, week since we're recording this a little early. And uh, last weekend, uh, Coffee Geek was down at the Coffee Fest show in Seattle. And Jeanette, you walked the floor. What would you think? Um, I thought it was quite interesting. There was uh, a lot of food. I was a little bit afraid of eating too much. Just a lot of gelato. Uh, there's a fair amount of gelato, lots of cookies. Lots of cookies, lots of biscotti. Chocolate Giardelli was there. Lots and then, of syrups. Oh, there was a lot of syrups. And I also found some coffee soap. <laughs> Coffee soap. Yeah, it was soap that actually completely smelled like coffee. Well, there were different types. I think there was like mocha and mocha, espresso. Mocha, amaretto, espresso, um, country farms. <laughs> and they actually smelled so good. I was, if I didn't know it was soap, I would have been eating it. Oh, my gosh. So. And what great. else What else did you find trolling the floor? Um, I found these really cool, this cool jewelry that was um, made from coffee beans. They treated the coffee beans with some sort of uh, waterproof uh, element, and then they made jewelry out of it, necklaces, mm. uh, earrings, bracelets, and they actually were quite light. Did you uh, Did you go to any of the seminars or anything else? Uh, no, I didn't make a... Make I went a to a few, uh, just briefly. You know, Coffee Fest for me, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's much smaller than the SCAA show, but... I'm not a big fan of Coffee Fest in that, um, like, I think they do a great job organizing it, and I think that for their target market, it's a good show. But personally, as, like, a, you know, a real coffee enthusiast and aficionado, the show's always a letdown for me because when you walk the, the show floor, for every one booth that, that is, like, a really good cafe, like, like a Zoka or, you know, a lighthouse, they weren't there, but Zoka had a booth, for example. There's like 10 or 15 booths that just deal with crap, like with esoterica, like with yeah. with uh, th- like thermal uh, cups with little bling clocks in them and stuff like that. It's just, for me, it's, you know, it's painful walking the floor sometimes. Did you see the, the pens that actually had the coffee smell on it? Yeah, I did. And, you know, it's, it's, this is obviously, it's a show for people that are getting into the retail business business of coffee and, and want to have, you know, their their biscottis, their cookies, their syrups, their, their fancy doodads made in China that they can pick up for two bucks and sell for ten. And, you know, it's uh, I just... Uh, <laughs> I found some original design t-shirts. Well, that's good. And you actually had a situation with a very rude vendor. I think oh. we should talk about this just to get it out there because I, I don't think the, ven- the people on the floor should be this rude. So why don't you explain what happened? Well, no, I, I, w- I just just happened to I just happened to catch uh, sight of these tables, coffee 
tables or cafe tables mm-hmm. that actually had some really neat designs and art on it, and it really caught my eye. So I asked if I could take a photo because you always ask before you take a photo. Of the yeah, booth. even if you're pressed at the show, we do ask. Yeah, and this person was actually quite rude about telling me. Yeah, no. he was. He was so rude that when you came up to me afterwards, you were quite, you know, not just offended but hurt by it. Well, yeah, it's. I just thought it was really strange. I What's mean, the name of the company? Let's just oh, expose it. I, I, no, I don't remember the name of the company. I just uh, I just think that in general vendors... So this is a guy who does artsy cafe tables, yeah. and he was at Coffee Fest. I, for me, I thought it was kind of a neat idea, because I would actually have liked to see if it's possible to buy one for my home. And the thing is, we could have promoted them very nicely in the upcoming report on Coffee Geek, but... Yeah. Now we don't have photos, and instead we're talking about how much of a dick this guy was. Yeah, I just it, it gave me a great idea. It's like I like to actually get a table like that, but I just won't get it from this person. Yeah, and then well, uh, I think that when I do the report, I'm gonna I'll look in the the show guide. The thing is, is that if press is coming to the show and Jeanette Chan represents Coffee Geek, and we do reach like five hundred thousand people a month, and she wants to like talk about a product and get a few photos, the reason why is is it's nothing but publicity for your business. And you know what? If you don't want photos taken on your products, that's fine. And we, we deal with that. You said that uh, you were telling me that you had a lady at a mint booth who politely just said, please, no photographs. And she was polite about it. Yeah, she was nice about You don't it. have to be rude. You don't have to be a dick. You don't have to be whatever. We're at the show to help publicize whatever we find interesting at that show. And, Jeanette, you found those tables interesting and wanted to have some nice photos of them so we could show our readers. Yeah. That was and the only reason. Now, that. instead of that, we're talking about how much of a dick this guy was. Well, I just thought he was mean. Yeah, I mean, I could see your reaction when you came back. You were you were quite offended. Yeah. And normally, you know, we, we've had run-ins at shows before with people that were less than nice. But, you know, I could just tell from this situation that this guy must have done something exceptionally bad because you were pretty upset about it. Yeah. So, anyways, what else at the show did you find interesting? I found these really cool tampers. <laughs> That's right. Terry Zinowitz was off for showing his tampers again. They're beautiful. And uh, he gave Bronwyn Cerna a one-off alabaster tamper made with actual alabaster. Wow. So I don't know how much that cost or whatever. but And uh, he gave us, too. He gave one to me, a big, bulbous purple one. <laughs> it's actually uh, I like the word bulbous yeah, well that's the way you describe <laughs> it um, it's actually aluminum that's been what's the type dry powder coated uh-huh. uh, just like you know the motorcycles you see in those TV shows and, and he mentioned he had some other ones that yes, was used he, from bowling ball material that's right he, he gave Bada a tamper that was uh, we talked about on the previous podcast uh, it, the one that he got it was made from polycarbonate or something the material the same material it's used in bowling balls and the one that Bada ended up with was pink with sparkles in it. <laughs> but uh, that was really nice to Terry. And, you know, as always, he always has some interesting tampers at the show. Now, there was something that you found out later that we didn't actually see at the show that sounded interesting. Yeah, something called the AeroPress. It's uh, a personal French press, but better. Actually, I found the reference to this on the Seattle Post Intelligencer. Okay. And the it's... P- Seattle PI. Yeah, uh, it's a beaker-like contraption that was created by Alan Adler, who's the president of Aerobie, A-E-R-O-B-I-E. And 
essentially it's you putting the coffee grounds in in the hot water and then you plunge it with uh, using air pressure to plunge uh, push the liquid through a microfilter. It's like this gigantic syringe. That, yeah, it's yeah. a giant syringe, but your grounds and your coffee don't actually quite in align in the same. So the pressure is like literally. So it's it's almost like a a, a really super poor man's you know piston espresso machine, but it's designed for French press. It kind right? of, yeah, it kind of makes me think of the handheld frother. Yeah, except this looks like it has the potential to make really good coffee. Yep. Um, I'm really sad, too. I didn't see it at the show either. So uh, what do they have a website address? Their website address is aerobie.com, A-E-R-O-B-I-E.com. Well, I'm going to check them out. In fact, you know what? I'm going to task you as the news editor to contact these folks and have them maybe send us in a couple of sample units to take a look at. Cool. And this system retails for about $30. That's the retail price. Yes, but it's so new that the wide distribution hasn't quite started yet. Oh, okay. I think people will should be keeping an eye out for yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. And and there was one other thing really important that uh, you saw at the show that a lot of people are talking about, and that's the Clover Brewer. Oh, yes. What were your thoughts on that? Did you actually try any of the coffee, or were you coffeeed out by that point? Uh, I was watching you and Bruno and And Andrew, Andrew Barnett. Yes, and Andrew. And you got some photos of that. Yes. Which we're going to, after I do some, you know, deciduous censoring (laughs) of the content. It was a lot of fun. I actually went back. Well, what are your thoughts on the machine? I think it's quite neat. It it looks, it's very interesting anyway. I don't know what the coffee tastes like. You know, in the last week or so, there's been a lot of negative talk about it in Alta Coffee. Really? And it's interesting because almost everyone talking trash about this machine They've never seen it. They've never used it. Really? They've never, all they're doing is focusing on price, which I knew would be an issue. When I found out that it was $8,000, that's their projected start price. I'm sure it's going to go down down the road. Yeah. But when I found I knew I knew that people in Alta Coffee and elsewhere were going to cause problems. And, and, you know, I mean, there is some criticism on the price, but um, what I really find interesting, and, and people who have seen this product, or, or you know, frankly, people in the coffee who, you know, are at about a different level in, in coffee appreciation, like a Greg Scarce or a Barry Jarrett, or, um, you know, these people sort of understand what the hell's going on with this thing. Uh, the sort of negative talk, it's uh, I'm kind of brushing that off myself because, again, these people have not seen the machine or used it. You checked it out. And even at the $8,000 price, what do you think about like what this, this machine could possibly present to a retail cafe? It could mean that it's actually going to produce very good coffee for the price Yeah. with minimal There's minimal waste. Training. Yeah, minimal waste. And minimal waste. training. And, you know, what's really cool, too, is that um, the cafe can offer up you know, essentially a micro bar, micro brew kind of menu. Mm. You know, if it was compared to like, you know, a, a, a restaurant that brews their own beer, they could have like six or eight coffees ready to go. They could even have six or eight grinders set up ready to grind and little instructions on the front for staff to quickly change the temperature on the clover, which is easy enough to do. And when they do that, uh, you know, customers could come in and they could literally have like a menu of fresh coffees brewed just for them. Like I said in the previous podcast, Jeanette, this clover takes the concept of espresso, you know, when it was first invented back in 1904, 1906, of brewing coffee expressly for you when you order it. It takes the concept from doing a 1.5 ounce cup to an 8 ounce, 10 ounce, 12 ounce brew of coffee. 
you know, within a minute. And I like that aspect of it. Any other thoughts? No, no other thoughts. Yeah, would you like to see that in a local cafe? I'd like to see it. I, I hear that Alistair's really considering getting one. Really? For the Elysian. By the way, Alistair changed the name of his business. It's no longer the Elysian Room. It's the Elysian Coffee and Tea. Oh. So, come on, news editor, get on it. <laughs> he needs to send me a press release. Uh, and then one other bit of news before we get into your red news, and that's uh, what has shown up at the Coffee Geek Labs this past week. Oh, yes. Yeah. The coolest machine on the planet. And what's it called? It's called the Great Sex Machine. <laughs> no. You said it's a GS3, right? That's right. And who, Great Sex. No, no, no. no. Actually, GS, <laughs> I found out recently, stands for Grupo Satura, which means saturated group. Uh, and this is uh, the machine. For, this is the long-awaited, quote-unquote, consumer uh, catering machine from Lamarzoco and Coffee Geek got one of the first ones out of the pre-production bin. Wow. And uh, pretty impressive, huh? It's amazing. I, uh, you unscrewed the uh, side plate. Yeah. I want that. Yeah, the side the, the side panels are amazing. They're, they're so heavy and they're these giant billets of, of aluminum. It's billeted aluminum and uh, they're anodized black. And then the logo, the Lamarzoka logo's sandblasted on them. I mean, there are no corners cut on this machine. None whatsoever. No, none of that, that sticker thing that no, comes off of machines? No, I mean, everything is paid attention to. And I can tell you that, like, even the small nigglies and the aesthetics on the machine, like, you know, the drip tray doesn't fit quite right, uh, things like that. All that's going to be fixed when they do go into production on this machine. It's it's really important to note that this machine I have is a pre-production um, mock-up, not a mock-up, but a pre-production hand-built model that is partially in our hands so that we can do a real serious evaluation on it and give the feedback to Lamarzoko so they can improve the machine when it goes to production. Can I have that side plate? Uh, you'll have to talk to Bill. You know, I think if you're really nice to Bill Crossland or Kent Bakke, for that matter, yeah. they, they may send you one. Who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, I can't afford a Lamarzoco myself, so. Hmm, I know, I know. <laughs> That's the scary part about this machine. The projected MSRP is $4,500. You know, hmm. you should be able to obtain it for less if you're really friendly with a Lamarzoco dealer, but uh, it's that's not cheap. I mean, you know, like I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking that, you know, if I was going to buy a new fridge and I was looking at fridge prices here and there and, you know, you see fridges for like 750 and 950 and and then you see like the LG fridge with, you know, the the double door stainless steel and, and it's got like, you know, the digital panel yeah. above the ice area and stuff. But it's like $2,000 and you're like, my God. Who spends two thousand dollars on a fridge? Well, the same person that spends forty five hundred. Well, that, that's on the point. Express machine. But you know, again, it's all relative. I mean, the Clover eight thousand dollars. This machine forty five hundred. You know, by comparison, uh, the only other single group machine that I think that's available right now that I think is even comparable to the Lamarzoco mm-hmm. uh, GS three is Seneso's one group Synchra, and that retails for just shy of seven thousand dollars. Ouch. So, yeah. 
I like the Sinasa machine. They look quite interesting. Yeah, I got, you know, last week I got my first chance to really fool around with one. And also Mark Barnett at uh, Sinasa gave me a really nice walkthrough on the product at their booth. Oh. We didn't talk about them at the show. They were at the show. Yeah. I- and, uh... And, uh, you know, I knew a lot about the Sineso from stuff I'd read from people before, but this time I got real hands-on. And uh, at Victrola's uh, Speakeasy, I was able to pull shots. I was able to pull about 15 shots on on a two-group, and, and I was quite impressed with the machine, quite impressed. Okay, now, without further ado, uh, we're going to get right into you reading the latest topical news. And uh, this time around, Jeanette, I think I really will be quiet for the most part, so take it away. Okay, well, from Web India, now a coffee with a look and feel of beer. <laughs> Since we were talking about beer, how about a brew that tastes something between tastes like something between coffee and beer? Well, Swiss giant uh, Swiss food giant Nestle oh. has just added Nestec, a fermented coffee beverage that pours and foams like beer, but smells of strong coffee and has a concentrated caffeine punch. <laughs> Although the beverage is made in a manner similar to beer, it is fine-tuned under temperature control to stop the formation of ethyl alcohol. Nestle has said that it was a tricky procedure to preserve the characteristic coffee smell in the production process, reports New Scientist. The procedure involves the roasting of coffee beans Mm. and and collecting in a cryogenic condenser the chemicals Mm. containing the natural aroma, which is then converted into coffee oil. The remains of the roast are then ground to powder mixed with yeast and sucrose and fermented for four hours at just below 220 degrees Celsius. Though at this temperature the yeast can still metabolize, it cannot generate alcohol. The aroma oil is then mixed in with the liquid and nitrogen is injected to make it foam. Sugar is also added to trap the aroma. You're evil. We had this discussion that I would not interrupt your news pieces and you read that first. Yes. Beer and Nestle? Yes. Oh, God, you're evil. Okay, go on. Okay, (sighs) well, then we move on to Coffee Blows Bono's Brain, and this is from an online paper in India called New Kerala. Bandmates of U2 rock star Bono have requested that their lead singer not to consume coffee while working on new material, as it becomes difficult to deal with under the influence of caffeine. The Irish rocker has also admitted that he sometimes becomes tough to be around after drinking the pick-me-up. You can imagine how annoying it is to have someone like me come in with a head full of ideas, quoted the, um, qu- qu- uh, rate the quote, music quoted him as saying. However, the beautiful day icon also insists that there are times when he simply can't resist the drink, especially when his supercritical bandmate Larry Mullen turns a deaf ear to some of his best sung songs and dismisses them as boring. He's bored most of the time. You could be singing your heart out and he'll yawn, but his instincts are 80% right. And if you're in the 20%, it hurts, says the frontman. Bono also complains that the attitude of the other bandmates for insensitively criticizing his hard work, thereby forcing him to have a cuppa to keep his mind cool. Okay, that's it. I'm going to go and make an espresso so you no. can read the rest. And Because uh, I, 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 I can't... I can't like I'm like wait, wait. frothing over here. Like, ah. um, okay. From it's- WNCT... There's uh, more on the Greenville, uh, the Greenville Starbucks for overcharging. Nine on your side is still investigating, and we found that more charges are showing up on some bank statements for coffee people never got. It seems the computer glitch at a Greenville Starbucks still hasn't been fixed. It's been six days since Nine on your side broke the story. Morgan Bowen says that she paid twenty dollars for one cup of coffee. 
The Starbucks computer debited a $3.48 white mocha from her account eight times. Last week, Starbucks executives told us the problem is being fixed, but days later, more people are noticing more money is missing. I thought it was over. I was like, it was over. I was surprised to see. I was surprised to see it. And more charges were showing up on her bank statement. Six days after we met her, she's been charged over six dollars more. She's charged. Uh, she says she's called Starbucks and has even canceled her debit card, but so far nothing has paid off. Nine on your side has called the Starbucks Coffee Company every day this week and finally caught up with the regional marketing man um, mar- regional marketing manager Carter Bensel. And as far as they say. There are a lot of processes that are put into place between the financial banks and in terms of our system. A lot of these finances may be posted at different times. She says it can take up to seven days for a purchase to be completed, but in Morgan's case, that time period has more than doubled. Next, a Starbucks company and Jim Bean's brand is expanding to have Starbucks cream liqueur. Introducing the ultimate cream liqueur for Starbucks enthusiasts. Just in time for the holiday season, Starbucks Coffee Company and Jim Beam Brands, a unit of Fortune Brands, today announced the launch of Starbucks Cream Liqueur, an artful blend of delicious cream, premium spirits, and a hint of Starbucks coffee. This announcement follows the successful February 2005 launch of Starbucks Coffee Liqueur, which Nielsen Numbers confirm is the number one selling new spirits product year-to-date through August in overall dollar sales. Nielsen also verifies that Starbucks Coffee Liqueur ranks number three in the super premium cordials category with a current market share of 11%. Hey, they're copying Illy Liqueur. Yeah. I'm making an espresso. At PR Newswire, a local coffee roaster introduces Bald Lady Coffee to fight to aid in the fight against breast cancer. Two years ago, Linda Larson and her husband Steve embarked on the life-changing experience of owning a small business. The couple bought Cafe Cartago, a Denver-based specialty coffee company. Two months ago, they embarked on the life-changing experience of fighting cancer. Linda was diagnosed with breast cancer in August. Within days of the diagnosis, Linda and Steve came up with their latest specialty bald lady coffee. In an effort to help women cope and deal with the financial strains of fighting the disease, the couple will donate the proceeds from the sale of bald lady coffee to various organizations supporting this cause. In the Vietnam economy, coffee supplies to fall next year. There will be shortages in coffee supplies early next year, in spite of new productions as droughts threat Uh, threatened to lower coffee output of the coffee year 2005 and 2006 in Vietnam and Brazil. When the harvest comes to an end in September next year, Vietnam will have a decrease in output by almost 2 million bags. International traders say Brazil's coffee production in the coffee year 2005-2006 will also fall as a result of bad weather and cyclical reduction. From South Carolina and uh, WSTV, Starbucks is to inspire coffee drinkers. Starbucks is going to give you something to think about with your morning cup of coffee. USA Today reports Starbucks will print a spiritually inspired message on its cup starting in the spring. The blurbs will come from Reverend Rick Warren, the author of the bestseller, The Purpose Driven Life. The coffee giant asked customers to send in material for their 2006 campaign, and Warren did just that. Starbucks has quotes on their cups now, but none are clearly religious. I'm back. I'm back, folks. (laughs) Okay. And then... I have some news to for discussion. Okay. So that means I get to talk again? Woo-hoo. Yes. All right. Go for it. I'm eating some stuff. I, I One thing I love about the trade shows, Jeanette, is we get to uh, come back with a little swag. Mm-hmm. A little swag. You had some swag from the show. I had you, some coffee soap. 
But other swag too, didn't you? You got the mints and a few other things. I got right. Yeah. Teas? Did you get any tea? No. Oh, well, there's my swag right there, and I gave you one. Oh, thank you. It's a little chocolate stick. Well, there's a new product that I found on Consumer Reports that's called Java Fit. <laughs> and Java Fit is the high energy fat burning. Appetite suppressing gourmet coffee that helps you stay fit. So totes the website for this new family of brews, which contains added nutrients and herbs, and in many cases, extra stimulants as well. Oh gosh! Now, according to Consumer Reports, before you talk about Consumer Reports, what were some of the uh, package names that they had? Do you remember? Uh, Two types of Java Fit: Burn and Burn Extreme. (gasps) Extreme. Get some Java Fit Extreme. Which contains citrus, uh, orantium, or bitter orange, which is similar to the band ephedra. And a third type called energy extreme, which contains green tea extract, another stimulant. And both extremes pack an extra dose of caffeine. I could just see the infomercial. Get your Java Fit extreme today and live the extreme lifestyle. I bet you they even said that, you know, our Java Fit's... It helps you lose weight because it's an appetite suppressant. Well, did, did they say that? Yes, of course. Folks, all coffee is an appetite suppressant. That's one of the things about coffee. One, one thing interesting about this is that it's about $25 a bag. Oh, my God. Just, Anyways, just Consumer, Consumer, Report Consumer Report says there are better and safer ways to lose weight. <laughs> Let's get some Javavit Extreme Gourmet Coffee. Okay. And then next, from Como TV, it always comes back to coffee. In Seattle, he's famous. He's as famous around the world here as coffee he sells. As the coffee he sells around the world, Starbucks chairman Howard Schultz is now a celebrity. Well, he, of course, he shows up everywhere, but we rarely hear from him. Thank you all for coming out to such a tough morning, Schultz told a crowd standing in the rain Thursday morning. Starbucks was announcing it's giving over half a million dollars to improve parks in Seattle, Tacoma, and King County. Giving back is nothing new for Schultz because his latest innovation is health care for every employee, even part-timers. Wow. I I want to work for Starbucks now. (laughs) You know, a lot of trash talk about Starbucks all the time in our forums and everything else. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the roast either. And I'm not a fan of the fact that they moved to super autos and other things. But I'll say this. In terms of the service you get as a customer in their store, especially if you're buying a product. You know, I've heard countless tales of people buying, you know, like a Starbucks barista espresso machine three, four years ago. And coming, you know, it breaks down three years later, and they go into the store even without a receipt. And Starbucks will do a swap right over the counter of it. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and you know, they treat their employees well. I mean, they indoctrinate them and kind of make them, you know, kind of brainwash them a bit. But, you know, the fact that even part-timers get health benefits, this is a big deal in the States. You know, we're in Canada, and we're so used to having public health care. In the States, this is a really big deal. Yeah. You know, so kudos to them, for sure. So you have one more? And I have one more. McDonald's is going to start selling organic coffee. McDonald's will begin selling organic coffee at its New England restaurants next month an arrangement that could propel growth for the Vermont-based roaster and help the fast food chain complete, uh, compete for customers who avoid the Greek golden arches in favor of a better cup of joe. Green Mountain Coffee early, earlier entered a separate deal to purchase beans, roast them, and package them for Newman's own. The coffee is certified as fair trade, 
a moniker that assures that the beans are produced by farmers who are guaranteed a minimum wage for their harvest and are encouraged to practice organic and a sustainable cultivation. More than 70% of the company's restaurants are owned or run by franchises. Do you remember um, a couple of podcasts ago when you read the news about Nestle doing fair trade coffee? Yeah. And how I made fun of it and how I belittled it and everything else? Yeah. This is what I'd like to see Nestle do. I mean, this is a bold, big step by McDonald's. It's obviously not their entire chain uh, in North America, but it's a sizable amount on the East Coast. Green Mountain, good people over there. I know some of the people that work for Green Mountain that do a really good job. Doug does. I mean, he's in the marketing, but I mean, I know the coffee people. I know Mm. the, like the roasters and the, the cuppers and stuff. And, and, uh, it's a bold move, and this this I applaud. I applaud because this is not some trivial thing. This is not McDonald's saying, okay, in five test pilot locations we're going to do fair trade coffee. They're doing a sizable amount, and if it works out, they're going to grow it nationwide. I mean, it's going to become a nationwide chain. Any, any McDonald's you go to and order coffee, it's going to be fair trade certified coffee. And I'm not – depends on how this rollout happens in the price, but it's great stuff, and I'm really I, – I do applaud. Starbucks, and again, I'll spank Nestle for their little trivial thing. Their little trivial, like Nestle. Let's see you do five or ten percent of your coffee as fair trade. You'll hear me talk about how great Nestle is. Yes, but they made beer. <sighs> yeah. God. Well, that's the news. Why don't we tell people just briefly how they can get in touch with you? You can write to me at news at coffeegeek.com. And why would they write to you? If you find anything interesting in the news. Or they want to say hi or, or kudos. say hi. Or kudos or kvetches. Or happy Hanukkah? No, yeah. it's not Hanukkah yet. Kvetches are like, you know, if they have a problem with what you, you talked about. Uh, and what section of the website are you responsible for? I'm in the resources section. So you just go to the front page and click on the resources on the top bar. And I got an email recently from people who said that they'd like to see you participate a bit more in forums. Bring really? A, bring a sound voice, a stable, calm voice to the forums because apparently I'm too much of a, uh, a what, what's the term? Too much of a firebrand, too much of a, a loose cannon, too much of a, uh, you know, wild card. Well, if you're a loose cannon, what am I? You'll be the calm voice of reason. <laughs> is what it was. The term was. I'm the calm voice of reason. So you've had a request. Obviously, now. people don't know me well. <laughs> yeah. You've had a request to participate more in forums. Interesting. I will do my best. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jeanette. It's like, thank you.